For those who follow a more liturgical tradition, uh, i.e. the Lutherans and the Episcopals and others to varying degrees, the tradition of Advent is recognized as the four weeks leading up to Christmas. Kind of like Lent is the time leading up to Easter, we have this time of year we call Advent that, that leads up for the preparation of a Christmas. The word Advent is delivered from the Latin word Adventus, a meaning coming. So, so really the word Advent means to come or the coming of God. Uh, in truth, the entire biblical story is an Advent story because the Bible is really about the coming of God. The whole thing from one cover to the end is about God coming to be with us. Uh, And and so the entire story is an Advent story. Now, I want to introduce you to a theological phrase so you kind of understand where we're coming from today. It's called progressive revelation, which means the gradual unveiling of God's plan. Uh, what, it, what it means really is that God didn't tell humanity his entire plan in one fell swoop. That uh, through time, progressively over time, he showed more and more and more of his plan. We see the story slowly develop through time as God reveals more and more of what he's doing with humanity. Uh, so it starts off with creation, it starts off with Noah, and we, uh, it, with each passing generation, each passing story, each further it's into the Bible we get, we get a little bit more picture, a little bit more of a picture of what God's doing. And God's ultimate plan and ultimate story is that the Bible is about God, uh, the coming of God and the coming together of God and humanity. That's the, the kind of the big picture story of the Bible. This is about God coming and humanity coming to him. It's really one big giant Advent story. All about us coming together. What I want to do today is kind of look at that, take that theme, the coming of God, and this this big picture, uh, and, and focus on, kind of skip over a large portion of the story. We're going to skip over, you know, when Jesus, when God came and created the world. We're going to skip over when he came to Cain, when he came to Noah, when he came to Abraham, when he came to Moses, when he came to David. See, all these times that God came, and we're going to jump to a very specific event, a very specific Advent set of uh, story in this plan, what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at what has come, what is here now, and what is yet to come, or what's still to come. As we look at the coming of God, the unveiling of his master plan. See, all these advents of God have progressed his plan as he came and visited and moved his story forward. And we are privileged, we truly are privileged to live when much more of the plan has been revealed than it was in the day of Noah. Or even in the day of Moses. Or even in the day of King David. Or even in the day of the apostles. We see much more of the whole plan now as we look back and they've put all the pieces together for us. And so we get to really see a big picture of what God's been up to all along. So first let's talk about what has come. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Verses 8 through 14. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. In this passage, we see coming Jesus coming as the Savior. 
Starting with verse 8. In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. On my right shoulder, we have a banner. A Savior is born. And one of the great movements, one of the great stories in the gospel of Jesus Christ is the advent, the coming of the Savior. That this is when the Savior came. The other day, my mom and I were working on putting some venison away venison away in the freezer. Yeah, she gets to come up and help me do all that kind of work. And we were listening to Christmas tunes. And this song by Andy Williams, who I don't know who Andy Williams is, but she knew. I saw who's singing that? And she goes, that's Andy Williams. And that's exactly who it was. If you know who Andy Williams is, raise your hand. Okay, I don't. We're singing this song, Mary's Little Boy Child. And the chorus went like this. Hark, now hear the angels sing, a new king's born today, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. It's a beautiful lyric and a beautiful sentiment, although if I'm being particularly picky, I think it's a little bit wrong because man doesn't live forevermore because of Christmas Day. It's not the event that happened on Christmas that brings eternal life to man. Now, eternal life came on that day. The Savior came that day. But this is the first step in a gospel story that will lead us to eternal life. The truth of the matter is, Christmas is not Salvation Day. It's the day the Savior came. That's important. That's massively amazing. And as I would argue, it should be a time we're encouraged, we're amazed, we're grateful, and we're certainly awestruck. Because as I would argue, the incarnation, the coming of the Savior, may be the greatest thing that my mind can comprehend in all the things that God did. Because if you can get your mind wrapped around how God, the creator, can put himself inside his creation, become one of his own created creatures, how he can create himself into human form, then things like the resurrection, coming back to life after death, well, that's kind of small play compared to housing God in a human body. And how Jesus can be 100% divine and 100% humanity at the same time. Those are things that stretch us and amaze us. And the coming of the Savior is something that should be worshipped. But it is a step in a progress to bring about salvation. And so Christmas is really the coming of the Savior. There's another thing that happened in this story. As we look back, we see the Savior coming, but we see more in this story too. We see Jesus coming as the Prince of Peace. 
Over my left shoulder, we have a banner talking about from Isaiah chapter 9. It doesn't have the whole scripture. Wonderful counselor, mighty God. The next one is called Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. That These are the names of the Christ child. And it's, we see the coming of the Prince of Peace later in the story of Jesus. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 2. You can turn there or you can turn to First John if you want to follow along. But I'm going to read to you from Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14. It talks about this coming of Jesus. What, why did the Savior have to come? Why the incarnation? And it really lays out the, the necessity of the incarnation for the Prince of Peace to come. And I'll explain. Therefore, since the children, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, though that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who fear death who were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. This is talking about Jesus. Therefore... He had to be made like his brothers in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in all things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he was suffered, he is able to come and aid those who are tempted. Again, verse 17, he had to be made in all things so that he might like us, so that he could be a merciful and faithful high priest and make propitiation for our sins. And that's a big fancy word, propitiation. I probably only use it like maybe twice a week in my normal conversation. (laughs) Maybe a little less than that, to be honest with you. But I try to sneak it in whenever I can. And I'm sure you do the same. The word propitiation paints a picture, and it comes from uh, the process of the high priest in the Old Testament. You remember God instructed people how to make the, the Ark of the Covenant that housed the Ten Commandments and Aaron's rod and all that stuff, and they carried it around from place to place, and they would set it in the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. And on top of the Ark, they had this covering called the Mercy Seat, where those two big cherubim were described to be, be made. And every year at the Day of Atonement, the high priest would bring blood from the outside that, that was sacrificed, and he would go into the Holy of Holies, and he would sprinkle blood on the covering the the top of the ark of the covenant uh, for forgiveness of their sins that covering was is where they get the word propitiation from and that sprinkling so he was going and covering the people's sin with the blood of the sacrificed lamb and then that's what this is saying it's, it's drawing from that same picture it's saying jesus had to be made like us so he could come and cover our sins with his blood that he would appease god that he would make peace between God and man with his own sacrifice. He's the prince of peace because he's the one who brings us into a right relationship with God. And it's at Easter we see the coming of the prince of peace. First John chapter uh, 4 says a similar thing in verses 8 through 9. It says, the one who does not love does not know God for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us so that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. 
In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. The whole coming of Jesus as Savior is so that later on we can recognize him coming as the Prince of Peace. This is the the revelation as it gets revealed to us. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes into the Holy of Holies, the real Holy of Holies, the one in heaven. And casts his blood and makes propitiation, covers our sins and makes peace between us and God. And so Christmas is the coming of the Savior. Easter is the coming of the Prince of Peace. But salvation hasn't come yet. Neither one of those are the day of salvation. There are movements in that process but I want to talk to you really today about this gift, this this gift that we talk about, this greatest gift of all, the coming of salvation, the time when your name is sealed in the in the book of life and you have nothing to fear. You're given eternal life. You're what we talked about in first John. You're granted to be children of God. When does salvation come? If it doesn't come at Easter and if it doesn't come at Christmas, well, when does it come? Where is it? Well, here's what I want you to look at. There's a passage in Luke chapter 19, verses 8 and 10. I'm just going to read that to you. It's the story of Zacchaeus. You probably remember the story of Zacchaeus. He climbs up in a tree because he wants to see Jesus. And Jesus has come down. We're going to have supper together today. And at the close of that meal, as they're spending time together, Zacchaeus jumps up. And this is what he says. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone from anything, I will give back four times as much. Now, here's Jesus' response to this event. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. When was the day of salvation for Zacchaeus? The day the Lord came in and he stood and gave his life back to God. That's when the day of salvation comes in. The day Zacchaeus stood up and repented of his sin said, I have done wrong. I need forgiveness. I will make up. I will follow you. I believe in you. That is when salvation comes. Those days, that day of repentance and reception of uh, reception. The day we finally do what Jordan talked about in that thing. There came a day when there's something made sense and he heard an invitation and he said, I'm finally willing to give all of my life to you, God. I'm just going to let go and you can take total control. The fact of the matter is that the day of salvation It's a very personal thing. Many of us here have already had our day of salvation. We recognize that the Savior came. We recognize that he brought peace before he offered peace with God for us. And he was the Prince of Peace. And we decided to repent of ourselves, repent of our sins and turn to him and trust in him wholly by faith. So that we would have that peace with God. And we've been saved and we have eternal life. For some though, today... This very day could be the day of salvation. I'm going to ask Randy to go to the back if he would. If there's someone here who wants to talk about that, if you're feeling that invitation for the very first time, if you're sitting here saying, hey, 
This is making sense for the first time. I, something's stirring within me and I can't explain it. And you want to talk about somebody. And Could today be your day of salvation? Randy's in the back. He'll talk with you. He'll help guide you. He'll answer your questions. And if you want to go back there, you don't have to come down front. We're making it easy for you. You can sneak out the back. Pretend you got to go use the bathroom. We don't care. Because today could be that day for you that you accept Jesus' wonderful gift of eternal life. And he's going to stand back there for a while so you can sneak out whenever you want to. Because this is what is now. The, the day that the Savior came and the day that the Prince of Peace came, that's what's already happened. This is the time in which we live in now. And here's something we need to recognize, that salvation, the coming of salvation, is marked by a very special coming too. Another coming. And that is the coming of the Holy Spirit. Here's what it says. Romans chapter 8 verse 19. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, but if God does not, but if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong him. When we have that day of salvation, when we come to that place where we're at the end of ourselves, there's a very special coming that happens. Another advent, the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. And one of the things you and I must be very aware of is to check ourselves. Do we sense the Holy Spirit within us? Do we feel guidance? Do we feel comfort from Him? Do we feel conviction from Him? This is our guarantee. This is the seal of our salvation, is the coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives. And so what I want us to understand is that you and I now live in the days of salvation. That's what God's doing right now. He's busy going about bringing conviction through the Holy Spirit to people's lives. That these are the days of salvation. These are the days that people have to secure themselves of eternal life. But these days won't last forever. And one of the amazing things about this is what God's doing now. He's saving people. He invites us to join him. It's not just his work. It's part of our work with him. We get to be partners in seeking and saving the lost. That we pray for the lost. And as you think about that this week, as you are with people who may be lost, realize these are the days for their salvation. But those days will not last forever. Second Peter 3, 9 tells us this. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come and reach repentance. He says, but don't be fooled. The day will come. When another advent will happen. Another coming is yet. So we've seen two major advents in the story in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The coming of the Savior. The coming of the Prince of Peace. It's interesting. I've been studying this verse. I've been really thinking about this verse. In, in John chapter 16 verse 7. Jesus says to his disciples. One of the most striking things to me that Jesus says to his disciples. He says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And I, and I keep wondering, what advantage do we have for Jesus to leave and for the Holy Spirit to come? And what I want to realize is that the Holy Spirit is the coming at salvation. Jesus is kind of absent at this moment. 
particularly. We have this time when Jesus came as Savior, Jesus came as Prince of Peace. Now we have this time, the days of salvation, when the work of the Holy Spirit is working in people's lives to bring them to conviction and salvation. But it's really about Him. But we start to look towards to another event, to the return of Jesus. And the truth of the matter is, in the 6th century, uh, the 6th century Roman Christians, as they observed Advent, the advent of Christmas and maybe even the advent of Easter wasn't what was on their mind. They were turning towards a different coming, uh, looking at a different advent. The second, what we call the second coming of Jesus. As, as you look, this might not be, it might be the 12th coming of Jesus because he's been coming all along. But, but what we call about the second coming of Jesus. You know what the second coming of Jesus is? He comes not as Savior. He does not come as the prince of peace he returns as the judge second timothy chapter four i charge you in the presence of god and christ jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom preach the word be prepared in season and out of season reprove rebuke and encourage with every form of patient instruction that is why i stand here today preaching this sermon not because jesus came Not because of Easter, but because he's coming again. And it says, because he's coming again to judge the living and the dead, preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That these are the days of salvation and may today be that day for someone. Because when Jesus comes back, he's coming back as the judge. And so maybe the advantage for Jesus going away is we have this time. To get right with God before he returns. That he sends the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to go away and give you a little bit of time to get right with God before I come back. Now, that's a pretty big advantage. And if we're right and we're smart, we'll take advantage of that. Because there's one last advent to happen. This isn't even the last one. The final advent that I'd like for us to consider. As we sit here in this time. As we look back at the coming of the Savior, may he be praised. As we look back at the coming of the Prince of Peace, may we honor him and thank him for making peace between us and God. As we consider the days of salvation and the coming of Holy Spirit into our lives, as we anticipate the coming of the judge, it's all leading up to one great final advent. And that's the coming of the King. Revelation chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among his people and he will dwell among them and they shall be his people. And God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no longer any death and there will be no longer any mourning or any crying or pain because the first things have passed away. Each step in this progressive gospel, the coming of the Savior, the coming of the Prince of Peace, the coming of the day of salvation and the Holy Spirit into our lives, all prepares us to face the judge that Matthew in chapter 25 says he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. 
And he's going to say to the goats, depart from me, go into the eternal abyss. And to the sheep, he's going to say, welcome into my kingdom. The judge determines who goes in and who doesn't go into the kingdom. And the final coming is the coming of the king. What Philippians chapter 2 verses 9 and 11 says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, and those are who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So this is God's story. This is the gospel. And we can't get caught up in one part without thinking of all the parts. So as we celebrate the coming of the Savior, remember it was only so he could show that he's the Prince of Peace. So that all we could have the opportunity of salvation. So that we can stand before a righteous judge one day and say, I've received my covering. The blood of Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. And so the judge can say, welcome into the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ.